Roxanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Perhaps the title of this podcast piqued your interest as in a, wait, what, (laughs) kind of way, because empaths as a general rule are not perceived to be the same as those who may have narcissistic tendencies. And I say this last part with considerable emphasis, the tendencies part, because I don't think it's advisable to label any being, really, much less those who we would lump into a contrast category, an opposite of how we perhaps perceive ourselves. Because beings in human experience tend to gravitate toward this kind of thing, the lumping and the labeling thing, quite a bit with animals, don't we? If we call someone a rat, we perceive them to be digging in the trash, for instance, for sustenance, and or for being a general nuisance because most of us perceive rat to be without merit, when in fact rat actually plays a critical part in the overall ecosystem of the planet. The same thing goes for snake or pig or any other of a number of derogatory terms we use to label our behavior with animal names when we simply don't like the behavior. The animals would chime in with, hey, handle your contrast by yourself, okay? There's no need for you to be dragging us into your duality when we pretty much have on lockdown the balance and the partnership between light and contrast to light in our way of unity with, at the very least, all other species on the planet. We didn't ask to be included in your very species-specific argument, so we out. (laughs) Bye-bye. They are talking to what has been identified as researchers as, quote, collective narcissism in a group, and from there, meaning the animal's perspective, the human species has many pockets of collective narcissism and at least one overarching collective narcissism that shows via our lumping them into categories that we think, keyword, are below us. More on this later. Well, I for one treasure and frankly adore <laughs> the veritable blast of fresh air, Arctic in some cases, coming from our animal relatives. Because just like those one or two family members who everyone loves and secretly envies in every family for their frank honesty, animals are it for me in this lifetime. To be clear, unlike their human counterparts, the true sayers that are all animal species do not speak with a blame, justify, or defend kind of energy that often accompanies the more overt traits of narcissistic tendencies. Far from it. 
They speak with allegiance only to the truth of energy as the common denominator, and one which beings in human experience have long forgotten, and that remains, nevertheless, contained within the hard wiring of our very nervous system. Regardless of how high or low the threshold of stimulation in the nervous system happens to be in each individual. Because among the rest of our animal relatives, all adhere to the very same essence of balance and partnership. This master language of energy is their language as well. Everyone understands that it requires no verbal expression, as it can only be felt with the collective heart and communicated via the collective brain, if you will, of telepathy. Spelling matters, I'll say for the umpteenth time. Look up telepathy next time you're wandering around any dictionary online. And no matter if we resonate with or not, this common hardwiring piece of those individuals who openly identify as highly sensitive and those who would pretty much do anything to avoid self-identifying with this trait, it is a fact of energy meaning it is a low threshold of stimulation that causes the nervous system to blow a circuit breaker, if you will, and then send cascading effects of alarm throughout the body as a means to alert the owner being of said body that, hey, I can't do my job as your nervous system is keeping you safe and healthy on the planet right now. And the main reason why I can't do that is because you dear owner being, aren't doing your job of taking care of me in the way of balance and partnership. As a side note, I will have to do a podcast on how animals differ in their view of their bodies on earth versus how beings in human experience view our bodies. It is dramatic to say the very least. For some of you empaths slash HSPs out there, right about now you may be thinking, well, I for one love being an empath, most of the time anyway. Well, let's say over half the time. And it's only when I don't get hurt by others or feel shame by them, by how I don't fit in and, and why don't I fit in anyways? Who would not want to see themselves as the person who would rescue every animal who needs a home and ooh, aren't they cute? And I really don't see the need for my own contrast outlet. Are you crazy? There's enough of that going on out there in the world. I don't need to contribute to that. And yes, I'm throwing a little bit of shade at my own people. (laughs) Yeah, I got your number, you out and about impasse of the world, and it's coming up shortly in the form of covert narcissistic traits. Wait, what? You're thinking? You might even be saying out loud. That's right. It's been discovered that the identifiers for the trait of high sensitivity developed by Elaine Aaron have a moderate crossover with the identifiers for the trait of covert narcissism. Think you don't have a need for a contrast outlet and it's everyone else who needs to see the world as you see it? Hang on. There will be a link in the podcast notes for you to take another quiz if you're brave enough. Full disclosure, my score was 51. When we speak to those people who perhaps feel on a level the same way that those do who are open about their body's trait of high sensitivity, they see in that very openness a vulnerability of sorts, and perhaps rightly so. It is a feeling of vulnerability 
to perceive as if the body may very well split in two simply because of the depth of what one is feeling, let alone thinking. And in my perception, the body and the human experience pushes that away instinctively for two reasons. One, the nervous system senses that, and as such, it may very well start the alarm process going because the depth of the feeling threatens to overwhelm and shut down the nervous system's operation. And two, because of hardwiring biologically as both predator and prey, any feeling of vulnerability likely brings the prey aspect to the forefront and physically asks for a protection of sorts from the body, and more than likely, emotionally and mentally as well. We think it's all separate, and we treat it, literally, with our separate scientific disciplines as if it is all separate, yet every animal would tell you that it's not. It's these very ripples of energy that are unified that those with any nervous system, really, but especially those with the lower threshold of stimulation, may be aware of on an ongoing basis and sometimes with no end in sight. Each new ripple in an otherwise already rippled surface of a lake that's already had a good-sized rock thrown into it will cause more energy. Those first ripples may contrast with the second ripples, Just go out to a nearby lake or a pond or even an ocean with a riptide or a rip pool area and, being safe, throw a rock or even a small stone into the water and then just watch what happens. Throw another one in there if you're brave enough. The body is 60 to 80% water after all, depending upon what frenemy of science you follow. (laughs) So it makes sense to visualize this and so you can see and feel how the body responds. Such is the similarity between this rock lake ripples thingy and the myth of Narcissus. Which is why when you Google, are empaths a good match with a person who has narcissistic tendencies, you will get a plethora of articles, (laughs) each with a varying theme on a resounding, no, not so much. The links are too numerous to list in the podcast notes. Still, whatever article resonates with your body is the one with the truth of energy contained within. I am including in the podcast notes a generic summary from Wikipedia of the myth of Narcissus, whose tale can be summed up with a bottom line of, just because you think you're perfect doesn't mean that you actually are perfect or even better than anyone else. In the myth, Narcissus, and again, I'm summarizing because There's a side plot of a nymph named Echo who falls in love with Narcissus, and because Narcissus rejected all romantic advances in favor of his own reflection in the pool, he thought he was perfect, you see, so no one else could even be considered a match for him. Miss Echo withered away to a whisper, and as well, very apt name of Echo. Can you tell I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell and the power of mythology? It remains, along with the metaphors contained within, the perfect vehicle by which beings in human experience can gain illumination in the collective contrast of said human experience. And it just happens to be 
the vehicle that the master language of energy in the universe will most likely use with you in all of your channeled messages, be those dreams, be those what I call little intuitive pings and or shamanic journeys. Lots and lots and lots of metaphors. In his rejection of not only Miss Echo, as well as numerous other suitors come a-callin', Narcissus eventually fell in love with his very own reflection, and, I submit, that reflection was endlessly perfect. It didn't object to any of his behaviors. It didn't attempt to find out anything new about Narcissus. There were no where-we-going-with-this relationship questions to ask. Heck, there wasn't anything said at all. Just as long as the reflection of Narcissus remained ripple-free and, to a certain extent, free from anything that reflected anything other than perfection back to Narcissus, everything went just fine. Because in the energy fields of HSPs everywhere, as I mentioned, along with the low threshold of stimulation is the feeling of vulnerability. And for individuals for whom it may very well be so painful as to take a clear and neutral look at their own flaws and imperfections, which everyone has, these are internalized then and harden into insecurities. Perhaps from previous wounds, perhaps not. And truly, the motivation behind it doesn't matter. It's the behavior that counts. It's the external expression of don't bring up anything that I feel threatened by because I will then feel vulnerable and because I don't like how that makes me feel. I will do everything to make sure you know it has everything to do with you and nothing to do with me. In other words, I will most likely attack you even as I say I love you because How I feel has nothing to do with you other than what you can project back to me. If that's not what I want, and if it causes ripples, I'm out. To be clear, and quoting from an article in the podcast links, quote, Healthy narcissism, pride in one's accomplishments, a feeling of confidence, etc., is a good thing. Because this isn't about bashing and isolating what we perceive as contrast unconnected with light. It is always connected, according to the animal's perspective. Which is the razor's edge, if you will, for a fair number of HSPs on the planet. Statistically speaking, 20% of the population. This is also a genetic trait. It is a fine and a wonderful thing to have a conversation with your body and say, hey, I noticed the information you posted recently, and quickly too, about issue X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to just take a few minutes here to pause and check slash reflect on why I'm feeling the reaction to the energy that I am. Let me run it through my neutrality and clarity equation parameters and see what's up with that. When I choose a response, body... I'll let you know by expressing said response physically, emotionally, and mentally. Someone who has unhealthy traits of narcissism may say to the body, Ugh, not another attack? Okay, who's it coming from this time because it's always theirs? It's never mine because I feel so deeply and so well that I've already looked at my own stuff. And since it can't possibly be mine, it has to belong to somebody else. So, 
the gaslighting commences. The blaming, justifying, and defending commences. The anger commences. Maybe tears of, why can't you just love me as I am? In other words, all things that, no matter who else is involved, they have literally no control or management ability over. None. Another contrast aspect of these overly narcissistic traits is that these individuals can also sense when a shift in their heretofore malleable HSP friend or partner or family member is occurring, which makes them particularly toxic in any relationship. Just when you, as an HSP, think you have your feet firmly on the ground as strong and independent and are shifting the goalposts for the relationship based on your comfort level, they'll know that in a claircognizant or a clairsentient way and will shift just enough in your direction for you to continue ignoring the multiple red flags that have already been thrown in either a short-term or a long-term relationship. And on goes the dance until the pain of not being who an empath truly is. One who offers themselves first and foremost compassion with a goal in each moment of experiencing joy overcomes the illusion of at last finding someone who you perceive truly gets you as a fellow empath. Because they're not actually a fellow empath. They're a different kind of an empath. They are no more a fellow empath to you than a tiger is to a zebra because they both wear stripes. It's part of the myth and human experience, not unlike Narcissus. Only by choosing to embrace our own glorious imperfections can we move to unity with all others. At least, that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service and to schedule online via www.lazanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals I View Academy, and online psychic fairs. This has been the Animals I View podcast. I'll see you next time.